Hello, welcome to Why Are We Talking About Rabbits? Another week, another wonder. I just made that up. Guys, we're talking philosophy, we're talking theology, we're talking history, we're talking deeply immersive experiences that we have over here at First Things Foundation. www.first-things.org is our gig. We're a sort of a Peace Corps style, deeply orthodox ethos kind of crew that's trying to do proper service long term for two years at a time and live in some pretty incredible places, but alongside some folks that have been isolated and impoverished in this new global economy. That's what we do. And we live simply. Mud huts, family abodes, and we do it all for two years at a time. Come join us or not, but thank you for joining me today. I'm Watar. So what rabbits are we talking about today? Rabbits, of course, go down rabbit holes. We don't want to talk about those things. That's why are we talking about rabbits? We're not. This part, I want to say something. I think this is an old world, new world look. This is a historical look at something like, uh, I, I want to call it, this is a look at being present. Let me get into it. I'm calling this podcast, Get Me to the Human, because a friend of mine recently told me about a phone call that she had been on. First of all, I don't know about been on. It doesn't seem like a phrase I'd like associated with my phone time. Yeah. A been on a phone call. Like, it, it has... It's like waterboarding or something. The way she said it especially made me nervous. It, it wasn't an association that she liked. She said, uh, John, I called to figure out my insurance options. It must have hit like 30 buttons before I even got to the button that got me to the human. I was on this phone call. And then the next phrase that really scared me was, Got me to the human. That's haunting. I know you've said it a million times, but I'm just telling you it's haunting. Right. For the sake of this little Watar moment, just take a moment and imagine that everyone treated you like you were on hold. Think for a moment what it would be like to have your life on hold and in the hands of faceless, amoral, amorphous robo-responders. This is, I'm offering this question for a reason, which I'll tell you in a second. Because, like it said, shivers down my spine when she said, got me to the human. Because so much of life these days, this post-pandemic world, feels like you're trying to get to the human. Just get me to the human. I mean, medical care now? Oh, Lord. The whole health system, the tax system, just get me to the human. And that's something to do with every, every organization is underemployed or something. So everything's being filled with like not human things. That's definitely a part of it. But what if your phone, what if your life was like that phone call? 
Like everything was on hold in front of faceless, amoral, amorphous robo responders. Just keep going with me. What if I told you that the tools you possess to get to the human were all exhausted? Right? All you had left was hold. What if all you had left was that dread sense of hold, of helplessness? What would you do? Okay, because we got super cool people that listen to this podcast, I'm actually asking you, sort of like a Tomadog kind of way, what would you do? I mean, we've all kind of been there, so maybe let's not make it conditional. What have you done? Uh, My guess is that some of you have hung up, had enough of that, moving on. I'll ask my brother's uncle. Wait, that would be my uncle. (laughs) I'll ask my friend's uncle. How about that? Or my, I'll talk to my aunt, talk to my auntie. A lot of us, you already hung up. And you're going to go find another way to get to the human. Right? You're going to find a way to get it done yourself. That's the move. That's the move of a new worlder. It's It's the move of an entrepreneur, a problem solver. You go through the back door where that one dude lives. By the way, greatest phrase ever, that one dude. You're going to find that one dude. Right? You take your life off of hold, and then you get a hold of a good person. Or at least you get a hold of the right people. And you'd be smart to do this. Often, that's what you should do. If you did that, you'd be a type of creative soul. You'd be an entrepreneur. You would be a, I ain't going, ain't no stopping me now, like that. And you'd probably be an American. Or let me put it another way. You'd probably be one of the new worlders we talk about all the time in this show who has been taught to think like a backhoe. I did not say tobacco. I said, you've been taught to think like a backhoe. I said backhoe. Now, if you want to know what that is, <laughs> I'm just going to stick with this definition of backhoe. It's a machine that hoes the ground in big, giant chunks. You know what it is. It's that little toy your son played with that you would have called the tractor, but the tractor had this like crane scooper thing. It's a loader. See, Americans and many New Worlders in what we might call light people culture, that's enlightenment people culture, that's probably you, it's definitely me. Uh, Yes, it is, which is okay. It's who I am. But light people like ourselves, we've been taught to move We move things that are in our way because, well, we can, or at least we think we can. And we were taught that, remember with the little train that can, it can chug up the hill, the little train that could. We've been given a type of epistemology, a story about ourselves that says, hey, you know what? I am somebody and I can move stuff. Thinking of the ant and the rubber tree plant. 
It's in our water, man. I'm just citing little baby books that are literally telling you this stuff. It's in our water. It's in our educational system, if you want to be honest. And it's in the veins of your mustachioed uncle or your fair-haired aunt. Yeah, and it's a very new world thing, this backhoe culture. It is. It's a new world thing. And well, I like to move stuff. It's not bad, right? And people in the old world, well, guess what? Because I've met them, they talk this way too. But not exactly. Their backhoe, I can move the rubber tree plant conversations tend to go like, I can move that rubber tree plant probably if God wills it, inshallah, with the help of St. Nino, who died like 1,700 years ago, maybe. <laughs> that, that's how it sounds in the old world. Oh, yeah, we're definitely going to get these crops out of the ground. Probably, I, I mean, I think, especially if God helps us, we might not. It's possible that we can't do it. Rubber tree plant. Yeah, it kind of ends like that. Like probably, right? The little engine that probably might not, but it could with God's help. And in many ways, <laughs> that part is now, that backhoe culture that I'm telling you about, it's clashing, it's clashing with the probably can with God's help culture all around the world. Human as backhoe philosophy is clashing with humans as not as powerful as we'd like to think culture. And in many ways, that clashing is going on inside of me and probably you as we try to figure out this new thing, this postmodern thing that's happening where masters of the emerging universe are people who want to create more backhoe people. Or do they? We can't see it clearly. Is culture moving toward more backhoe people, more backhoe light people or is culture and the people in charge of it the masters of the emerging universe are they out to actually create more god wills it people but just substituting the god part for smart people like we can do this guys if the smart people will it hey you know what we can do we can overhaul american infrastructure if the smart people will it slash government because very interesting in which direction are the masters of the universe? And I say that fully knowing I sound like conspiracy theorists. I'm sorry, I don't know how to explain this to everybody. There's always a master of the universe. They lurk behind every culture and they're not going away. They just are the people who assume the power. They have it, you don't. Congratulations, Mr. Democrat man. And that's little d. Mr. Voter man. You only have a little bit of the power. Calm down. I'm not trying to take away your autonomy. I'm trying to tell you there's always masters of the universe. The question is, who are they? And are they working in your best interest? Best interest? That's the question. So what are the masters of the universe doing? Are they trying to create more backhoe people? Or do they prefer, if God wills it, people just substituting the God word for me or them? The smart people. You know what I mean? 
I think you and I were doing the math on this. And what I see in the old world cultures of Africa, the Caucasus, Guatemala, even you see it a little bit in Appalachia, though that's a different animal. You see this type of clash where many old world folks are saying, I'm on hold, I'm stuck. But the operators of their phone systems are not themselves. They're literally new worlders who have created all types of systems for them. And that kind of clash, which is really a type of crevice, a massive crevice, a massive division, a valley that sits between new worlders and old worlders. I mean, when a guy's on hold in Abidjan in, in Ivory Coast or in Freetown, Sierra Leone, with a guy from India who's employed by a guy from Silicon Valley, that's crazy time. That guy in Abidjan's got very little shot of finding the right person. But anyway, what I'm trying to say is, is that most folks who get stuck on hold in life like this, they don't have the tools or the connections to fix their situation. In the metaphor, right, when we get stuck, most of us, we don't have the tools. And this has always been a type of old world thing where there are very few invitations in the old world to an education, to a to an auntie, to an uncle, that actually emphasizes the epistemology or the, a better word to say is the ontology that, hey, you, your being, is a backhoe. You can move whatever you want, little aunt. Those people teaching those lessons in the old world are fewer in number than they are over here. And that's what we see in our work, that many folks, even when they might have the connections, they aren't sure how to use them properly in this shifting world. Folks in these very isolated, impoverished cultures, they get scared, they get tight, they get unsure of themselves, and they sit on hold and they suffer. And that would be okay if that suffering was for their salvation, but for many, they're suffering like without any hope they're suffering quietly because they don't understand fully what's happening in this clash of cultures. And you get this in America too. And this is what deep abiding poverty looks like. And for many of the extreme poor, those who make less than $2 a day, the world is closed off, shut down, on hold. There is an inchoate and relentless chaos where there should be order. The super poor are exhausted. It's true. They don't know who to call. They don't know how to get to the human. And most of the times, they have not been taught that they can. Right. So this all sounds sad, but I, I want to continue because it's actually quite interesting on many levels. But first, Jeremy. Jeremy's our new editor. He's the man. He's working with Andrew. This is not a, Andrew's still alive, guys. And Andrew still does his thing. He still does it with like a little foppish haircut that he has. And he's very handsome, so it's very annoying. And he's still out there doing his thing. He's probably doing a photo shoot right now with his lovely wife. But Jeremy's here. Jeremy and I, we know the deal. We're grungy dudes doing the right thing. Right? Heavy things lightly. Me and you, Jeremy, buddy. That's right. Jeremy... Swipe. It's time for a commercial. And here's how it starts. 
Swish. Have you ever wondered now and then, like, what is my place in the world? This is a commercial. Have you ever wondered when I get to this point, like, what kind of person am I? What, what am I and what do I really believe? When you get to that dark place, did it ever hit you to think that you could take a test? Like a real test, a science test. A test that Uncle Seth, a guest regularly on our show, would love. Well, we have a test for you. That's right. First Things Foundation has designed the test. We've tested the test. We've sent the test to the moon. We literally put the test in a rocket and sent it to the moon. And if it can go to the moon, it can do anything. It's called the Lidometer test. That's right. You can go to www.first-things.org and you can take the Lidometer test for free. You just take it. It's amazing. No one charges you. You just click and then you click again. And you write your score down and then what happens? Enlightenment. That's right. That's what happens. Real-time scientific models and methods have allowed you to find out exactly where you stand in this world of ours. Are you old world or are you new world? That's the question. And our scientific tests answers it. All you have to do is engage the test. All you have to do is put yourself in the matrix. That is www.first-things.org. Take the test. Find out more about who you are, old world or new. That's right. You can find that out on Watar. Oh, wait, I've got one more ad. Swish. We have a sponsor. It's called Seagrown. Florida's finest wholesale nursery in Naples, Florida, combining modern plant technology and old school nursery experiences. Welcome to Seagrown. You can find out all about Seagrown on Seagrown.com. Container Grown is a trend-setting wholesale nursery approached, designed, and created by Florida Real Honest-to-Goodness Crackers. Florida people who are plant experts. And they have an eye for beauty. Seagrown of Naples, a dynamic nursery shipping all across the country. You gotta check it out. You can see it at seagrown.com. Join Seagrown or call the shop at 239-273-9027. Ask for Greg. Back to the show. Wow, we're getting sponsors. Thanks, Jeremy. You know, so... What were we saying that was getting so sad? Basically, the old world could be a crushing, heartless place. And part of that crushingness, part of that suffering is in the idea that life is not an invitation. Culture is not constantly inviting you to solve the riddle. In many ways, the riddle is meant to be unsolved. Suck it up, keep going. And for us old new world, for us new world people, this is difficult. But you know, weirdly, and with experience, I've come up with a theory that I want to share with you because of our, our work overseas. I've learned this. Is I think the backhoe concept, the backhoe person, if that person is a type, 
I think that type exists across the centuries, across the millennia. I think backhoe people cross the divide between old and new world. Now, I'm not saying that there's a lot of backhoe people who are going to fix stuff. But what I'm saying is, is within each culture and with each family even, you can see an inclination toward not going to get me down. And that inclination in America has been the cultural inclination. It's been the teaching point for 200 years. It's been the point of raising so, uh, a successful person. Now, is it still happening? Hmm, this postmodern move is, I don't know, could be drowning it out. But that inclination is definitely built into American culture. And so in some ways, the eight or nine out of a hundred backhoe people that will just move what's in their way, those people have been taught well and move well within our culture and have done, quote, great stuff. But in our culture, the New World culture, you can even add some people to that eight or nine natural backhoe people. I think you can see 15 or 20 people that have taught, been taught well this idea and are willing to embrace it. And I think those people are the enzyme in American culture that we call creative. And I do think in our New World existence, these people are very important to maintaining culture. But I want to say something. They exist in all of these old world, in all of these global southern developing nations. They exist there. They may not be taught up, they might not be coached up through their culture, but they exist. And it's really interesting. Because where you find them, they are especially courageous. And First Things Foundation, the people who sponsor this podcast, well, that's what they do. That's what we do we find these brilliant poverty-stricken problem solvers. We get to the human. This podcast started by me saying people get stuck and they just need to get to the human. Well, guess what? We get to the human. We find the person who has the enzyme for change and then guess what? We become the person they get to. We're the uncle. We're the one who speaks their language. We learn their culture and then we say, hey, can we help? Hi, hi, welcome to First Things. Is there something we can do to help you with your project? <clears throat> We're the person that allows people to get off of hold. That's what we're doing. We try to find homegrown entrepreneurs, people out there all across the world, from the slums of Sierra Leone to the rural wastelands of middle America to the Georgian Caucasus to the Mayan highlands in Guatemala. <clears throat> Sorry for coughing. <laughs> I hope Jeremy cuts that out. You see, we aim to give these folks access to answers and to people and to other projects that allow them to collaborate and cooperate and allow their dream to grow bigger and better way out there in the global south. That's what we're up. That's what we're all about. That's what we do. And I think a lot of you are listening like what we do. And what I'd like to say is, is this. I'd like to say that doing it makes us better. Picking up the phone makes the picker-upper of the phone better for participating in 
that very frustrated on hold person's life. And I think that's what we're all be moving toward, especially as the masters of the universe decide which direction we're going to go. And if I was a betting man, I don't think their goal is to grow more backhoe people. But I don't know. These things are hard to know. That is Watar for today. You know what? It's fall. Fall's nice. It's a great time for friendships outdoors as it gets colder. You put on sweaters if you're up north, where I'm from, New York. You know what else you do? You watch the World Series. It's coming. Meet the Mets. Greet the Mets. I know I, I have a Padres jersey on. It was given to me. I'm wearing it as a sign of love. Don't hurt me for that. Guys, heavy things lightly. This is Watar. Shenny's Kagi Marjos. That means to you the victory. Often set at the KP table. We have a KP restaurant. You should go. It's in Greenville, South Carolina. It serves Georgian food and toasts and sing-alongs and all kinds of stuff. Watar is produced by Andrew Short, Daniel Paternos, and Jeremy Firth. Jeremy, welcome to the game. Welcome, welcome to the big welcome to the big time. Our pod is brought to you by the creators of First Things Foundation, www.first-things.org. That's where you can go find out anything you want. You can travel with us. You can do a lot of cool stuff. I hope to see you soon. I hope you tune back in. Say, say good things about this podcast. Hit like, hit love, hit um, spiritual momentum. What? That's not a button. Hit um, hit um, uh, a joy to be in communion. Uh, ooh, not a button. Hit. This really makes me feel connected to good people. Hit. You can hit that if you want. You can try. It's all good. Whatever you want to do. Hit it. Love you. Hasta luego, Kambufo. Peace out.